Hi, my name's Karen O'Connor and welcome to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, it's Karen here. It's good to talk to you again. There are a few things that's happened over the last few weeks and I'm kind of a little unsure where to start. One of the things that I try to do when I'm starting at a new venture, and I start at new ventures all the time, is I try to plan it out and I work out how I'm going to do it and whether it's going to work. And then that all goes out the window and I kind of do fly by the seat of my pants thing, which is exactly what I'm doing now. I had uh, an operation a couple of weeks ago three weeks ago actually and you'll find a podcast about it I'll put the link up in the show notes I had an operation to have some pelvic mesh removed and it ended up being a bigger process than I expected I was actually in theatre for five hours but they did manage to get all of the mesh out however the healing process is actually quite a lengthy one which is pretty difficult for somebody like me who likes to be moving and constantly going so I'm now three and a bit weeks after the operation I still can't sit down for any length of time I get tired very very easily I'm still on painkillers all the time but I am getting better and I am so glad that I've had that operation done and that I've got the mesh removed I can't tell you how glad I am about that but one of the side effects right now is that I can't really spend any time sitting at my computer and editing podcasts or preparing graphics or do any other of the professional things that you're supposed to do when you put a podcast out. So I'm really sorry there is going to be minimal editing on this. This is just me talking. That's all I can manage at the moment. But I really wanted to stay in communication with everybody because I think it's so important right now while we're all going through whatever the world's going through with the whole coronavirus thing. I just I think it's necessary for us to be in as much communication as possible so I'm walking around my paddock there's birds tweeting in the background you can hear the occasional lorry going past truck as they call them in Australia and you might hear me tramping through the grass but that's what's going on so one of the things that I really wanted to talk about today was as a result of what I've been going through and the information that I've been trying to get to one of my friends put me on to this book called Pain and Prejudice when I was in hospital about a month six weeks ago for the persistent pain management program What I noticed was that nearly everybody there were women. And I thought, oh, maybe it's just this particular program. Maybe sometimes you've got a lot more men. But the research shows that more than 80% of chronic and persistent pain sufferers are women. It seems to be a female disease. So I started doing a bit more research into it. In medical research, more than 94% of studies and experiments are carried out on male subjects whether that's human males whether that's male rats or mice or whatever and like a friend of mine pointed out she's in the medical profession she said well that's because the males are expendable they want to keep the females for breeding so they use the males for all the experiments but the problem is if you do that It doesn't take into account the difference between male and female physiology and male and female hormones or anything like that. So when you trial drugs on male subjects only, we've actually got no idea of how those drugs are going to react in the female system because we are completely different. The other thing that this book points out that I didn't know about, and I am 
absolutely horrified so my voice is going to go up about two octaves while I'm talking about this. Parts of the female sexual reproduction system were only fully mapped out in 2009. That is just appalling. Can you imagine that we didn't even know in our modern medical system visual graphics, 3D graphics were not available of the entire female reproductive system and sexual organ system until 2009. I'm just speechless about that. I am just speechless. And interestingly enough, when I was talking to one of my friends who's a GP, he used to be a surgeon. And I was telling him about the mesh problem and everything that I had. He said to me, just let me ask you a question here. Was the gynecologist that originally did the operation on you for the pelvic mesh, was that a guy? And I said, yeah. And he started laughing. He said, you know, male gynecologists have a really bad reputation within the medical profession for being experimentalists. The rest of us, we all follow the rules and the guidelines. It's got to be tested. It's got to be proven to work. There's got to be experiment after experiment carried out so that we know that it's safe. But male gynecologists just go and do something because it seems like it's a good idea. So basically, as women, we end up being guinea pigs because the medical profession, the people that carry this out really aren't sure of what's going to happen. Now, let me say this, right? I am not, in what I'm saying, suggesting that the medical profession are negligent or that certain doctors don't care about what happens to women or anything. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that the medical profession as a whole does not know how women's bodies react. It doesn't know how to deal with women's issues and nervous systems and hormones and physiology in general. It doesn't know that and it can't know that because most of the tests are carried out on male subjects, like 94% of the tests are carried out on male subjects. And the reason that that figure is dropping is because some department in the US decreed that it actually has to be 50-50. And if we're talking about female problems, then they need to be experimenting on female subjects, not male subjects. Otherwise, the data that comes out of it is irrelevant. All I'm trying to express here is my astonishment that this is still the case in this day and age. We talk about equal rights and equal pay and sex discrimination and all the other stuff, but the basic fact is that most medical experiments are carried out on male subjects. So as females, we stand at a distinct disadvantage. Okay, voice has now dropped several octaves again. How I came to thinking my way through all this was as I was going in for my operation the other week, the anaesthetist was a woman. My surgeon was a woman. There was two other surgeons who were there. So my operation wasn't carried out with just one surgeon. There were actually three surgeons working on me for five hours. That's how big a deal this operation was. And I'm not talking about big a deal for me. I'm talking about how complicated is probably a better word this operation was. And I remember being in the waiting room waiting to go into theatre I can't remember what they call it and being really relieved that I was surrounded by women and I'm thinking you know I'm kind of a little bit hazy because I've had one of the drugs that make you a bit dopey and I'm going ah that's fascinating why do I feel that like okay these are women here 
And I think it's because if I say to another woman, oh, I've got a pain here, she knows what I'm talking about. She can relate to it because she's a woman. She knows like, oh, you know, I've got that feeling where my stomach's just cramping up and blah, blah, blah. I can say that to a guy and no matter how caring he is, no matter how much he wants to help me, he's actually got no experience of what I'm talking about. He can only relate to it in a really abstract way, just like we as women can only do the same thing with men being kicked in the ghoulies. We can go, oh, ouch, that must really hurt, but we don't have any experience of it and we can't ever experience that. It's impossible. So no matter how much we care, we are not going to be able to fully comprehend it. And it's the same with anything to do with gynecology or childbirth or sex reproduction, anything. As males and females, we are completely different and our hormones are completely different and the way we think is completely different. I've worked in construction industry. I did a construction degree. I started in 1983. I've worked with men pretty much my entire working life. We think in different ways. And I don't know that that's got very much to do with the way we're brought up. Although, having said that, I watched this fabulous TED talk the other week called For the Love of Fangirls. Again, I'll put a link up to it. And in it, the woman who was presenting it was talking about the ways, the different ways that girls and boys or women and men are taught to communicate. So fangirls who scream loudly and go all into, into all I, you know, I want to say it myself, hysterics about their favourite band and everything are ridiculed and not taken seriously. They're hysterical. They're swooning. They're just losing their heads over this thing. And that's how women and girls are spoken about when they do that. Now, the male version of fangirls is football fans. Guys can go to a soccer match or a football match or a boxing match and they get really emotional and it's expressed as anger and joy and you get all this testosterone fueled stuff and that's fine that's men being men that's the way their emotions are expressed when women's emotions are expressed they're called hysterical and dismissed and this is something that is still evident today my daughter has got a complaint about her teacher. And I'm not putting an unofficial complaint to school about this. This is something she needs to learn how to deal with. But it is really interesting. The school that my daughter goes to went co-ed three and a half years ago, something like that. Before that, it was a boys-only school. They've got this art teacher who's joined the school since it's been co-ed. And she's female. And what my daughter has noticed is that this young woman, I'm not talking about an older woman, I'm talking about a woman who's in her 30s, has different expectations of acceptable behaviour for boys and girls. And she is much, much harder on the girls than she is on the boys. So if the boys make comments like boys do, see, I'm saying it, like, oh, you, yay, way to go, you know, when they're talking to the other boys or girls in the class, that's okay. She'll just go, boys, stop it. If the girls do that, she acts in a completely different way. The girls get told off, they get grounded, the behaviour is really stamped upon. And it's interesting, I think, that that actually is prevalent in society. Boys are allowed to fully express themselves in a boy's way, loud and raucous and making fun of each other, very physical. 
girls are not allowed to express that because it's seen as hysterical or not acceptable. Unless women act in, men, in a mannish male manner, it's not acceptable. It's very, very subtle and it is changing, but I think it's something we need to be aware of because only when we become aware of it can we make changes to it. We have to notice what's going on and go, does this work or not? That's all. It's not a matter of condemning it. It's not a matter of blaming anyone or doing anything like that. It's just going, huh, look at that. That's what I'm doing. That really doesn't work. On any number of levels, it doesn't work. So in all of this, I'm not blaming anybody, right? This is like, okay, we just got to notice it so we can do something about it. If we don't notice it, then we can't do anything about it. What my daughter's experiencing in class goes back to what the woman is talking about in For the Love of Fangirls. It's exactly that same thing. It's really interesting because if I think about it, if I'm watching a group of boys getting upset about something, my reaction to that, my actual physical response to that is completely different to my reaction to girls getting upset about something. My personal reaction to girls getting really upset about something is like a physical knife in the stomach or a knife in the chest. It's actually physically painful. With boys, it feels a little bit different. It's like, ah, yeah, that's what they do. God, they're annoying. And I get irritated with it. But with girls, I feel the pain and I want it to stop. There's obviously a lot more thought that I need to put into this, but I just wanted to get it out into the world so that maybe we can all think about it because it's really interesting. But this kind of brings us to what I'm trying to get across with this podcast or what I'm trying to communicate with this podcast. I think that as women, we've lost our connection with each other. I was watching a program on telly and it was filmed in the UK. It's called Back in Time to the Factory. I'll put a link in the show notes. They take a group of women with a few men back to a particular year where the local women all worked in this clothing factory and they had to work under the conditions that they worked on piecework, doing the hours they did with the equipment that they used and the pay and the difference in pay between men and women and how women weren't considered to be skilled labour doing this job. But a man who was doing the same job was considered to be skilled labour and got paid two or three times as much as a woman doing the same work but one of the things that came out of that experiment or one of the things that was noticed in that experiment was that the women had a really strong really solid sense of community and they talked about stuff so when they did the one from 1968 one of the women was chosen to become engaged or to get married and the women from the factory all went out on a hen night for her and it wasn't like the hen night now one of the things that they did was they wrote little pieces of advice for the bride-to-be and pinned it onto a veil for her it was really fascinating how much closer that group of women became just by doing the things that those women did back in the day. They went out together, they socialised together, they played soccer together, they were in a choir together, they exercised together, they did weight loss things together. They did stuff as a group and as a community, I think we've lost a lot of that stuff. And that's what's coming up for me with all this coronavirus thing at the moment, the way people are shopping, the way people aren't taking care of each other. 
and I think that has to change. Here we live on the edge of a city but we just moved up from a country town. We knew all the neighbours and we took care of our older neighbours and we went shopping for them or cooked things for them and we did things for each other and there was much more of a sense of community and I think in this time we need to do that on two levels for each other as women or girls however old we are we need to be sharing our wisdom we need to be talking about what we're all going through not keeping it to ourselves there's nothing wrong with feeling depressed or uncertain or not knowing where you're going it's like I was saying at the start of this before I do anything business-wise or on a project or whatever that I'm starting I'll work it all out this is what I'm going to do and that is really just to satisfy myself that I can do this like it's just to give me some self-confidence so it's like okay I'll get three months of podcasts mapped out what am I going to do who am I going to talk to what am I going to discuss and then invariably I might follow it for the first one or two steps and then that just goes out the window and I start winging it which is what's happened this week I got to the stage where it's like okay I kind of know what I'm doing not at all really but I kind of got the feel for it and let's talk we need to talk we need to communicate and we need to pull together and I think that as a society we need to do that while this whole coronavirus thing is going on I saw the meme going around saying has anyone else got the feeling that mother earth has just sent us all to our rooms so we can think about what we're doing because I do feel that you look at the canals in Venice that are turning blue again and you can see them how clear they are just think of the pollution that's not going into the air and I'm not going to get on that whole I'm not going to get on that stage I do think it's time to reassess us and start thinking about each other like I say both in the coronavirus thing as a society but also as women in how we can support each other we need to talk I'm not the only one who's got problems with pelvic mesh I'm not the only one who's had a forceps birth and is suffering massive reproduction (sighs) Good grief. It's suffering massive re... re <laughs> I'm not the only one who's had a forceps birth and is suffering massive repercussions from that. Yes, got it right. I'm not the only person, but it's not something that we really talk about. And let's face facts. If as women we stand up and we start going, look, this isn't working for us. What is aimed at us? Not just by men, but by other women. You're being hysterical. That is the criticism that's put to us you're being hysterical sit down and be quiet and have a think about what you're saying and unless we behave in a way that's acceptable i.e in a male kind of way we're just dismissed as being hysterical and not making any sense we're not allowed to fully express ourselves and I think we need to get together more as women and support each other and just listen to each other and hear what we've got to say and share our experiences and knowledge this was not where I was intending to go with this podcast but anyway that's what you've got so I am going to call it quits for today oh and before I go my youngest son is an actor and playwright and most of the work that he does obviously being in theatre and performing arts is casual so he's lost all of his work he decided that it would be a great idea to do podcasts to get actors together 
to read scripts or to read stories and to put out podcasts to help the community. So they just call for volunteers to start reading scripts and writers who wanted to put their scripts forward, they'd get their scripts read and that kind of stuff. So they've started a podcast and I think they're pretty much doing a 10 or 15 minute story or play every day, which is just flipping amazing. I will put the link up to that. They are called Someone New Theatre Company. Like I say, I'll put the link up into the show notes. So that's it for today. I will talk to you again sometime over the next few days. And please, everybody, stay safe. And please contact me if you've got any stories that you want to share. I would love to hear from you. And we can have a chat and then I could talk about them. Let's start getting together and supporting each other. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. Don't forget that all the links and information that we've spoken about in this podcast is available on the podcast page of my website. Thanks so much for listening. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next time. Bye for now.